Okay, and I am admitting all participants to the meeting. And good morning, Mayor Hoffman and Vice Mayor Kelman. Uh, this meeting has been held pursuant to section three of executive order N-29-20 issued by Governor Newsom on March 17, 2020. All members are joining this meeting meeting telephonically and through Zoom, and it is broadcast live on the city's website. Uh, good, good morning and welcome to the um, Finance Committee meeting for June 2nd, 2021. Um, I'm going to call this meeting to order. I don't believe we need to take the roll call, but the Vice Mayor and I are here on the call, as is our city uh, interim city manager and our incoming city manager is also on the call as well as our finance director. So um, I call the meeting to order. Um, let's see, I don't have, on my agenda, I don't have a line for public comment, but um, we'll do that, I suppose, after we do our two presentations, unless there's an objection from the group. Um, and I'm for under item B, which is our new business, and under that is B1, our fiscal year 21-22 city manager proposed budget review, and B2 is our benchmarking discussion. So I, because of the, um, because of our resident who helped us prepare the benchmarking, we have a scheduling issue, and so I'm going to suggest, and I have given a little warning, that we're going to flip these two items, and we're going to hear the benchmarking discussion first. I expect that to take 10 to 15 minutes at the most. Um, and then we'll roll straight from that into our city manager proposed budget. The idea is that this is the first public discussion of the benchmarking exercise um, that these uh, residents did. So I see Vince, it, 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 unless there's an objection, we'll do that. I, any objections from anybody? Sounds great. Okay, <laughs> I'm seeing nothing. Okay, so then, um, I, yeah, I see Vince on the, I see Vince that you're on here. Vince uh, Chilino is going to um, run us through that um, that exercise that he and some of our other citizens who are experts in the area of finance um, did for us. And so, Vince, if you'd like to, I see that you're unmuted, but if you'd like to turn on your screen. And also, I've asked our city clerk to give you um, share share screen privileges, so you should be able to share the benchmarking. Now i got to bring up that presentation. I thought maybe Janelle would bring that up. So just give me a moment here. Okay. Either one of us can. Um, Serge, yes, I, I hear that you wanted to ask a question, maybe? No, I was just going to say, Madam Mayor, that Vincent has um, co-host functions now. Okay. It's, it's now on the agenda, Vince. Um, so if you click on the agenda link, it's uh, listed under the benchmarking. So while he's that. doing that, uh, Vice Mayor, do you want to give a brief background on on how this came about and you know some sure. of the information that yeah yeah well, so one of the things that we set out as a goal for ourselves on the Finance Committee for 2021 was to uh, look at operational efficiencies and to better understand performance uh, metrics and efficiencies within our department, both from a revenue and an expense side. And in an effort to do that, we put together an ad hoc committee on benchmarking to very uh, loosely sort of compare ourselves to six uh, similarly situated cities in terms of uh, per capita uh, and household income as well as size of the community. And so uh, as you'll see in the presentation, uh, the group of four or five uh, members of the community 
undertook this just because uh, it was something we wanted to look at and it wasn't uh, something staff had on, had on their priority list. And so uh, what we're gonna look at today is um, an assessment of our revenues, uh, our expenses, uh, some of the granular line items that compare across different communities, fully acknowledging that some of this uh, may not be fully apples to apples, but what it's intended to do is to shed some light on uh, our revenue and our cash position, as well as our expenses, uh, as it relates both within our community and to neighboring communities. So uh, the mayor and I both looked at this. It's extremely interesting. It um, is really intended to lead to further conversation and discussion. Uh, so if people have questions or, or want to poke holes or make suggestions, that's totally fine. This is not intended to be a, um, you know, a definitive statement, but but it should really spark some questions in, in all of our minds. So I don't know, Vince, if you if you have it, I can certainly share my screen if you don't have it yet. Oh, could you share your screen, please? I'm having issues bringing it up. Yeah, can I do that, uh, Serge? Yes, you can. Okay, great. Oh, sorry about that. Okay. Okay, so this uh, was an exercise um, performed by myself, uh, Russ Irwin, and a few other people. And the idea really was to kind of benchmark our performance against other cities that, uh, uh, you know, of similar size as well as economic strength. So we looked at towns like uh, uh, towns in Marin County, as well as towns um, outside of Marin. So within uh, Marin, we looked at Mill Valley, San Anselmo, Larkspur, um, again, because of our similar size. And um, the information that we pulled really were publicly available documents, all the financial statements, um, Sausalito and um, Carmel actually produced some extensive reports called CAPERS, um, as and uh, other towns just produced, you know, audited financial statements. And the whole point of the exercise was to kind of create an apples to apples look um, across each of these towns. Um, so we did the best that we could, um, and we can always discuss, you know, certain uh, assumptions that we needed to make. But uh, at the end of the day, we had certain key takeaways um, based on the information that we pulled in. So as you can see here, um, we looked at just, you know, revenue and expenses um, based on household. Uh, we broke it down by maybe per capita or per resident. In this particular case, we're looking at a revenue for Sausalito um, being at about 5.5 million per household. Um, and so, you know, from a per household perspective, we look pretty healthy. And then on the expense side, um, on a per household basis, again, um, it's that we have significant expenditures. So it'd be nice to kind of figure out and maybe do a deep dive into what these expenditures are. Um, so we can go on to the next slide. We actually broke down um, uh, the revenue by property, uh, property taxes, sale taxes, uh, transient business type activities, um, as well as um, we have a bucket for others. Again, in order to create this similar apples to apples comparison. So you can see, um, you know, again, Sausalito is pretty healthy when it comes to looking at the revenues um, per household. Um, and on the expense side, um, you know, again, a little deeper dive how we compare against some of these other towns. You know, we look at general uh, government expenditures, you know, on a, per on a per household basis, you know, our numbers are greater 
significantly greater than uh, Mill Valley, uh, Larkspur, San Anselmo, and some of the other towns. The only outlier being the city of Carmel. And uh, you'll see that consistently in, in the reports where Carmel's numbers are just way out there. But we thought we'd keep it in the report to kind of put things in perspective. Again, they're a, um, you know, a town that really lives off of, you know, good property revenue as well as um, tourists. Next screen. And then here we look at it on a per capita basis. Um, again, you know, Sausalito showing that we have some pretty strong numbers here, um, as well as when we start looking at expenses, you know, the expenses are, 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 are you know, up there as well compared to the other towns. So when we look at, again, we tried to break down these on a per resident basis or per capita basis. And in essence, this is, you know, this is what it's costing us. You know, we're, you know, we're taxpayers, you know, and so it's kind of, it's important to me, you know, as, a, as an investor in the town, you know, to use a private sector word, um, I'd like to know where, you know, these monies are coming from as well as where these expenditures are. And so here are the numbers, um, you know, the numbers that we pulled in. Um, and, you know, we, again, we're looking at, this is where the graphs are produced from. And again, you'll see where we came up with property taxes, um, as well as, um, you know, how we categorized everything. On the expense side, you'll see it's broken out uh, for general government. And then more importantly, I just wanted to highlight public safety number of $10 million. And in essence, what we've done here is we've incorporated what our perceived um, fire department cost would be in that number, even though um, it's not technically shown in Sausalito's books because the fire department isn't technically part of Sausalito anymore. It was annexed back in 2013 to Sonoma um, Marin Fire Department. And so we also, took those same numbers and added those to property taxes. So our 9.6 million in property taxes is really a perceived number as if we had not annexed our fire department. So again, to try to create this apples to apples comparison, Marin County actually does break out police and fires. So we can actually look at those public safety numbers. However, when we went outside of uh, Marin County into Sonoma County, Healdsburg, um, uh, let's see here, so, and the town of Sonoma, as well as Carmel, don't break those numbers out. So again, we still categorized, we, we summarized public safety numbers as a whole. So you can see our total public safety number would be 10.3 million. And then you look at Healdsburg, um, you know, similar comparable numbers. Um, you know, the only differences were slightly smaller than each of those towns. Um, and, um, you know, again, just to kind of create this apples to apples look and feel. Next page. And then here we, um, again, tried to create this, um, you know, revenue pie percentage point. So we're looking at, you know, the actual pie and breaking down the pie. So, you know, property taxes still generate about, you know, 40% of our income. And, um, you know, again, sales tax providing six, uh, 16%, TOT being significant. Uh, and then our business type activities uh, produce 15%. So 
So it's a pretty healthy number. And then we look at other, um, we're looking at, you know, franchise taxes as well as, um, you know, intergovernmental transfers, et cetera. And so that's a healthy 22%. So again, you can see we have a pretty healthy income stream. One of the things I want to point out, um, you'll notice is, let's go up one more screen, is, you know, Public Works, Larkspur, their numbers are significantly lower. In fact, this almost looks like this is a negative number on an expense um, graph, but it's actually a good thing. They're generating a lot of funding um, through, um, you know, other, you know, other, other funds, um, specifically, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking here for? Through um, grants. Yeah, through grants. Exactly. Thank you. Senior moment. <laughs> um, so again, they're able to generate, a lot of these towns have been generating, San Anselmo being another case where their public work, num public work numbers are lower than uh, ours. And a lot of that has to do with public grants and the way they're able to fund these projects. Um, next screen. And again, we tried to break out, you know, retail sales per household as well as hotel revenue to kind of break that number down and compare that against other towns. So kind of give you a feel for, you know, um, where we stand. And again, these are based on, these numbers are based on the fiscal reports for 2019 and 2020. And we tried to smooth these numbers so that in case there was any uh, anomalies, um, you know, we kind of would harmonize those numbers. Next slide. And again, here are, you know, long-term debt issues that we're able to pull from the statement of uh, activities and, um, and statement of uh, position. And so to kind of give everybody a feel for where we stand compared to other towns. And again, again, you can see these are the numbers that we pulled in from the different financial statements. Um, and so this is the supporting documentation um, to generate, you know, this report and some of our assumptions. I think that's the last slide. That was the last slide. Yeah. I'm going to pull it back up, Vince, to the summary and <clears throat> just point out to everybody that there are some sort of caveats and some adjustments that were made and assumptions and that's listed on page three of the, of the report um, and as well as the data sources are on, on slide two. Do you want to run us through the key takeaways real quick? Yeah, you know, one of, I think first and foremost, I think one of the things that we're able to highlight is, you know, we collect quite a bit of revenue, you know, and when you start looking at it and breaking it out on a per capita basis, per household basis, um, those are, it's significant. So I don't, I think, you know, our team feels that revenue is not an issue. It's more or less, you know, potentially spend management that we need to be focusing on. Um, you know, as we look at point number two, we spend 50% more um, than Mill Valley on a per capita basis. And in some cases, you know, outright, we outspend outright uh, more than most of these towns, you know, Mill Valley and uh, Carmel being some of the outliers there. Um, let's see, you know, some of the other issues we picked up on are, you know, and I think Charlie is addressing this and he's doing a really good job. I've seen his presentation and I applaud him for his work. Um, though I hate to applaud people. I, I generally like to, you know, like to see more consistency, um, you know, on business activity reporting, uh, more so so that we can see not only revenues, but what the expenses are and how profitable these business activities actually are. 
Um, and then again, you know, the last two items, you know, I, I think these are, you know, based on what we can tell from uh, the statement of net position, um, you know, um, on their um, uh, long-term liabilities, as well as funding for, you know, pensions. Oh, and the last item, again, I kind of highlighted, I think grant money is huge. And um, I think that's another avenue of revenue for us to offset some of these capital improvement projects. So I'd really like us to kind of look at that, or at least city council look at that um, to, you know, again, help manage some of these, these projects and, and lower our costs as taxpayers. Uh, Vince, I, I noticed on one of the screens that you had a um, section to indicate who had a CAFR and who didn't have a CAFR. Was yeah. it was it um, pretty widespread that Sausalito was one of the only that was working off of a, a CAFR? And if so, how were Mill Valley, San Anselmo Larkspur, you know, uh, reporting? Again, you know, a CAFR is, you know, it, it's, it's a nice document to have, but it's not necessary. I mean, only two towns of the ones that we looked at um, actually produced these extensive financial statements, you know, and so it was only Sausalito and city of Carmel. Healdsburg, you know, where I lived for 18 years, uh, you know, they used to produce a CAFR, but they, start, they stopped producing one because of its expense back in 2012, I believe, was the last year they produced a CAFR. And most cities are moving just to, because they have, you know, fairly educated and qualified financial teams, you know, they just produce audited financial statements. You're paying an accounting firm, an accounting firm to audit these. Um, is it really necessary to produce all the additional, you know, I may call it fluff. Other people argue that's not the case, but, you know, I consider it fluff, um, you know, for financial statements. I just don't see them, you know, that being necessary. Uh, again, that's my opinion. Yeah, and Vince, was there, um information you would have liked to have had that you didn't have access to? Uh, you know, again, more current, um, um, you know, ideally treasury reports, but, you know, we have OpenGov now, and it's, you know, I, I think, again, that gives us more visibility into, um, into the, into, you know, city, you know, our city's finances. Um, so, again, I'm sure there are a few other things, I just don't have them off the top of my head. Okay, thanks, uh, thanks, Vince. So, I think uh, I promised ten to fifteen minutes, but we're now at ten twenty. So, um, thanks, thanks very much, Vince. That was uh, excellent presentation. Uh, we're not going to take questions or comments. I don't think right now on this. We will at the end of the meeting um, uh, during public comment on both of these items, both B one and B two. So, um, Vince, I know that you need to have another appointment, so that's fine. Um, Janelle and I will try to respond to questions um, as they come. And I, my understanding is that we're gonna also include this in our budget presentation on Tuesday night. And so, um, and have Great. presentation on this. So thanks so much for coming and giving us a preview. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Vincent. Um, and then anybody, any of the public who's watching this, feel free to email us too, if you have any questions or comments on the, um, and on the benchmarking we just had. Okay, Charlie, I see that you're on. Would you like to start roll into your presentation? Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Mayor, Mayor, Vice Mayor, um, this is the uh, Finance Committee Budget Status Review number one on June 2nd, 2021. 
uh, walk through these slides real quick. The, I'm going to be jumping back and forth between software program and the slides, so uh, that's why I'm not in presentation mode. Uh, okay. We're on Arlie, step number nine. Arlie, excuse me. This is Marcia. Can you show us your face while you do the presentation, please? Okay. I'm. There uh, we go. Uh, the one. Uh, I just hope it doesn't slow down performance of using the uh, software. So if, if I go ahead and put the screen off, and I didn't realize. Yeah. If well, when we get there, if I notice it slowed down, then I'll uh, stop share, stop the video. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. So, special city council finance committee number one. Um, so as we walk through the calendar, uh, the city manager proposed budget has been prepared. That will be presented to the city council on June eighth. And uh, this is the finance committee meeting for the finance committee to ask questions and fulfill their role of, of monitoring uh, the budget. Our agenda for today is to look at roles and operating budget policy, and then jump into the three scenarios that were uh, recommended by the city council to staff to prepare the budget under. And then we'll go into the summary of the proposed budget uh, as it was requested by the city council, we can develop customized scenarios and then uh, we'll uh, quickly run through all of the departments and funds uh, that are in the city manager's uh, proposed budget. So uh, very quickly, uh, staff, it's uh, right out of uh, ordinance 484 municipal code, it's the duty of the city manager to prepare and submit the proposed annual budget and salary plan to the city council. And then the financial policies that the council uh, recommended at one of the budget review meetings, city council budget review meetings, is that a balanced provisional operating budget will be presented to the city council for review and adoption with total projected expenditures not exceeding total estimated revenues. But the city council can approve uh, use of fund balances in prior years for inclusion in the budget. So the finance committee today is tasked with monitoring the city budget and ma making recommendations to the full city council. And, um, and in order to do that, we have in this meeting so that you can get a better understanding of the proposed city manager budget. And then the city council's role is to approve the budget and we're uh, scheduled to have that final public hearing and approval of the budget on June 22nd. So quickly, let's, let's just jump into the scenarios. Uh, as you recall, there was the pre-COVID, post-COVID scenario, the gradual return, and then a pre-COVID. And I give some definition to that. The post-COVID scenario is the level of service that the city is delivering uh, currently. Uh, the gradual return is monitoring the economy, seeing that the uh, economic conditions are improving to a, a recovery. And then the pre-COVID scenario is the economy snaps back to its pre-COVID uh, economic status and generating revenues uh, to that extent. So in the scenarios for revenues, uh, we, the American Rescue Plan um, amount has increased. Uh, I thought it would decrease, but uh, right now it's looking at $1.69 million. And we are assuming uh, that amount in all three scenarios because that's the amount that, that is um, authorized. Now, that amount is still an estimate because how it works for cities that are called non-entitlement units of local government is that the money first goes to the state and then the state is tasked with recalculating the formula based on U.S. Treasury uh, regulations. The U.S.
Treasury regulations gave the state a list of all the cities, their population of, as of 2019, and um, basically requires the state to distribute uh, that money according to that um, apportionment of that percentage of the total, population to total uh, money allocated. Uh, but the state can petition uh, the U.S. Treasury uh, to allocate a different amount. And so as, as for now, we haven't received any notice that the state will be changing that formula, but they haven't confirmed it either. So um, we're using the $1.69 million in all three scenarios. Now, property tax is rather inelastic. So in all three scenarios, it remains the same. But sales and our tax and our parking revenues, they're most sensitive to the uh, improving economy and they ramp up across scenarios from one amount to a higher amount in the pre-COVID scenario. Uh, there are a number of planning projects that are cost recovery projects. The proper accounting for those kinds of projects is to record the amounts that are being deposited and consumed by uh, uh, petitioners who, are, who want to do the cost recovery projects. Those are recorded as revenues. The expenses are recorded as expenses, and they offset each other in all three scenarios. Um, we're assuming in this scenario that the $160,000 of uh, annual debt service payments on the Bank of America building, the first year we're going to uh, cover that debt service requirement. So, um, you know, we're so we know we're in a phase of doing an RFP for reuse and reactivation, uh, and we're hoping that the you know, plans will be in place at least by January so that we can uh, generate enough revenue to cover those debt service payments. And the interfund transfers um, are static across all three scenarios. In other words, the same amount of transfers from the parking fund to the general fund is will be $1 million. And then if the parking fund improves, the excess revenues will uh, accrue to replenish reserves. The uh, MLK uh, we'll have an additional $750,000 in cash, primarily because of that allocation I talked about at our last city council meeting regarding the, regarding the um, certificates of participation money. And uh, the city manager and the proposed budget is recommending that we use 750000 of that to reduce the general fund advance, thereby transferring from LK into the general fund. The Kaiser's fund generates revenues, but it also consumes levels of service. And we're continuing the policy that's been in existence for many years of $200,000 transferred from Tidelands into the general fund to cover those activities like public works, recreation, law enforcement. And finally, uh, it's been a policy of the sewer fund to, to fund $225,000 every year to cover uh, city manager, personnel, finance, uh, legal, risk management, those kinds of indirect costs. So our scenario across Ben results in charts for citywide growth in revenues and uh, general fund growth in revenues that you'll see uh, in, in later on in the presentation. So we can go in and, and see the detail at any point if you need to see the detail. Let's jump to the expense scenarios now. The post-COVID scenario assumes that we're going to be including the current level of service, but we're also put into the city manager recommendation a $325,000 request from EDAC that that be funded. 
And then the following planning studies are being recommended for uh, approval in the budget. 900,000 for the housing element, which is a state mandated requirement. 75,000 for general plan implementation. These other little minor ones. And then finally, a return to internal financial management. In other words, uh, city uh, recruiting their own finance director and own finance manager uh, and not outsourcing it as currently is being done. Now the gradual return scenario is uh, <coughs> looks at funding EDAC, funding planning, but there's a, a recommendation in the gradual return that rather than having your own internal uh, finance director and finance manager that you outsource the financial management. Uh, and that would be to uh, you know, a firm like mine. That we restructure the administration department and there's some personnel movements that we can talk about uh, uh, within there. Restructuring building and planning departments by bringing in a permit coordinator as well as a, a, a new planning position. Uh, restores the second recreation supervisor position, restores two librarians, and ramps up the temporary employees in library and recreation from where they are now to uh, a little bit more full service, with the goal of reaching full service by the end of the year. And finally, the pre-COVID scenario is kind of a, a snapback for maybe where we would like to be as we as we look at the economy throughout the year and make continuous budgeting uh, uh, assumptions that includes everything of the above, but the temporary employees and library and recreation snap back. In other words, we approve them at the beginning of the year. And um, we also appropriate $200,000 for a citywide historic resource survey and inventory. So with that explanation of the scenarios, we can go down and look at the actual city manager proposed budget. So the city manager proposed budget assumes a revenue scenario of a gradual return of income. And it assumes the post-COVID continuation for operation and maintenance and the post-COVID human resources scenario. In other words, the same staffing levels that were authorized uh, in the COVID budget. And that results in a balanced budget where revenues exceed the expenses in the general fund by $126,000 keeping fund balance about the same. Special revenue funds and how they interact with the capital project fund is still under review, uh, but I, well, what we need to review is what funding sources will be available for the capital projects that have been improved, approved and in place and will be you know, looking to be funded for next year. There are no new capital projects in here other than the ferry landing, but we also have the 2.5 million uh, ferry landing grant as an offset to the ferry landing expenses. MLK fund uh, assumes a gradual return to uh, rent relief. Um, the council policy is to uh, grant rent relief through June 30 and rent relief stops on July 1st. We're already receiving uh, requests for a continuation of the rent relief policy and which we'll be doing that to the city council uh, in the near future. Old City Hall, gradual return. Parking fund is a gradual return to parking fund revenues. And, and the sewer fund is based according to our rate study and the projects uh, using the sewer revenue bond. And finally, we have our internal services fund where the, we funded the OPEB and the pension trust 
according to the current policy of funding those, uh, but no increase into the reserves of the employee benefits fund or the general liability fund or the vehicle replacement fund. There is a, a request under the post-COVID scenario for replacement of a vehicle. vehicle. So um, as I mentioned earlier, we're, we have the ability to customize scenarios. So here's an example of coming down and this is uh, council member Susan Cleve and Knowles asked, can we, can we choose maybe a gradual return in the finance department, restructuring the building department, but keeping engineering, our interfund transfers, our landscape maintenance the same, bring library back to the full service, keeping these others the same, revenues a gradual return, sewer technology. And we see that the cost of customizing the, the, the scenarios would result in, uh, here in this case, uh, a $935,000 use of fund balance by increasing the ability there. And finally, there's some options that the city council has in uh, moving to balance the budget or improve levels of service or to uh, make recommendations other than the city manager's recommendation. And that would be uh, consider moving forward with uh, a study on um, uh, issuing pension obligation bonds. I have a work plan that would uh, you know, lead the city council to uh, whether or not that would be a good policy recommendation or not. Uh, there's also the ability to use our Section 115 trust money to pay off our police side fund. So it's kind of real quickly, one of the amortization bases is called our police side fund that was established back when Pepper was formed. It is scheduled to decrease our, our UAL payments by $400,000 three years from now. We could accelerate that by taking money out of the Section 115 Trust, paying off that specific uh, amortization base, and we would realize the return on that $400,000 a year over the next three years. And then as we discussed briefly at a previous City Council budget briefing, the, uh, the we can make an OPEB asset and kind contribution to Section 115 Trust, and that would result in about $300,000 in annual savings. So with that, underneath the presentation package that uh, you have in front of you is the complete city manager proposed budget that looks at a summary, the summary of citywide revenues and expenses. We can have the ability to drill down deep into our personnel costs, and then there's a review of each department there uh, as it exists for staffing and for um, historical current year and proposed budget. So I'm going to pause and um, let the questions begin. Thank you. Uh, hey, hi, Charlie, it's Jill. Um, can, are you going to go through the different departments? I can, yes. Let's start up here with that. I think that would be helpful for me. And Charlie, I, as you do that, um, I noticed that you, you're pulling out a request from a, one particular commission, um, EDAC, and I'm sure others, right, like the library and, us all, and the sustainability, they all have finance requests as well. Did you look at folding in the EDAC requests within the specific departments that it impacts? Because a lot of that is coming um, or related to CDD. 
Well, I, I brought all of the EDAC requests into the non-department department. So, and that's where we, we also brought in the, the CARS funding requests and uh, the other, the hospitality commission and the other business development uh, committees, all of those are rolled into and have always historically been budgeted in the non-department department. And so if, so, so as we're looking at this, um, those requests, do they, do they change? I mean, do you have different, do you have different analysis for each one of those or, or are those in the city managers, are all of those in the city manager's budget? All of them, all of them. Yeah, I didn't list them all on that summary page because their the amounts are not as uh, material as the EDAC request was, but they're all in there. Okay. All right. Thanks. Yeah, I think we should fold the EDAC to the extent that the large part of it is like 350k for permitting improvements. I would very much like to see that within the context of community development operating budget because that's going to be a huge chunk. And then the other remaining request is more around marketing and tourism. And I think that we're going to want to treat that that differently. Right. So um, we'll start with the administration department. The administration department, as I mentioned earlier, uh, assumes that we go back to internal financial management. So that would mean having um, a finance director and finance manager position filled within the budget. Um, there would be like a count of 17, including the five city council members. Uh, and this is just a graph of the ability to be able to look at it by uh, all of the different cost elements. Um, you can see that it increases our, our current personnel costs. There's an increase in um, uh, operations and maintenance costs, but relatively overall, it's less than the um, current year budget because there's nothing being transferred out into the employee uh, benefit fund. There's nothing being transferred out uh, into the uh, general liability uh, internal services fund. Any questions about administration and finance? I, I guess maybe I, I could talk about what would happen if we change to outsource financial management. And uh, actually, I'm going to click here. And, and Charlie, I, this is great to see the, the FTEs or even the, the part-timers that we would potentially bring in. And then I think you're going to show us a comparison. Um, I'd like to see us uh, reserve some potential funds for both that third-party treasurer uh, as well as potentially bringing Bartle back on the pension issue, because I think the pension is going to require a larger dialogue and be useful to, to have them provide uh, a separate analysis. So I, I don't see them under the employee position because I know they're outsourced, um, but I didn't know how they get accounted for within the total budget. Yeah, so um, uh, Heather is on the call today, and I just want to mention uh, right up front that much of this work couldn't have been done without Heather. She has all the detail for each each of the accounts. And um, Heather, if you go to the professional services line item on the detail for uh, uh, the uh, admin department under the city manager approval scenario, um, could you read what what the uh, all the different professional services contracts are? So I'm looking in administration details. We've got professional services, 
Mays and Associates, Eve Bailey, HDL, OpenGov. There's an OPEB valuation. The Bartel is actually on there, Bartel valuation. Fiscal advisory services. Um, then we've also, in addition to that, we've got things like council meetings and retreats, CAFA statistical package, other professional services, HR and PR coaching, um, and uh, leave management and reasonable accommodation support for disability. Great. So, yep, the, uh, in the administration, then we have the professional services, that total amount, which included Bartel, is $571,000. And um, included in there is a, using uh, Aid Bailey or any other firm as a uh, resource for special projects, which could cover uh, if the city council uh, recommends it uh, a treasurer position. So just kind of example of, uh, yes, we, we, we listened to the comments from the council as we went through the budget preparation process. Other questions on the admin finance department. Would you like to see the, what the scenario would look like if you outsourced financial management? Um, sure. If, if you've got a handy, I think that's fine. Yeah, I can. Come down here. All right, so, and real quick too, um, we'll go back to it. I'll let you finish this. Okay, so under the, the city manager recommended approval is to uh, have a finance manager and a finance director and have these kind of positions, accounting technician, a senior accounting technician and a senior accountant with help from a retired annuitant and uh, the recreation supervisor staying until the rest of the staff is is trained. Um, if we go back to a gradual return, the recreation supervisor would go back to the recreation department and we would increase senior accounting technicians to two, a senior accountant to one, and that would be it for finance. And then uh, uh, a firm such as mine could uh, prepare, uh, could provide the overall outsourced financial management of the city to these staff members. And the net increase in cost for doing that would be about $700,000 over what the post-COVID scenario is. And we can demonstrate that by that customized scenario approach where we graduate, this is the outsourced financial management and everything else staying the same, except for our revenues, which are gradual returns. $628,000. Okay, um, any other questions on the admin finance department? Sorry, so just for in, in summary, Charlie, since you're flipping back and forth, <clears throat> the cost for having an in-house versus outsource. The in-house is 1.8, the outsource is? The, the difference between the two costs is $600,000. Okay, so you so go from 2.5 to 3 million. So not 1.8 to 1.2? No, that's personnel. The 1.8 would go down, the professional services would go up. Mm -hmm. Well, in fact, actually, I think probably, probably uh, no, it'd take a lot of flipping back and forth to get you. But the net number yep. is $628,000. 
sorry, so 628 in addition to, if we went to outsourcing, it'd be an additional 628? If you went to outsourcing, you would, you're, the, oh, okay, so the, you would go from having a 126,000 positive fund balance to a negative 628,000, so the difference would be 6,750,000, I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, thanks. Okay, technology department um, continuing to outsource the technology. So there's no employee positions, there's no personnel costs. Personnel costs go to zero. Operations and maintenance and capital outlay would occur for an increase of about 124,000, a lot of it being capital, one-time capital outlay for computer equipment. Well, Charlie, we used to have an FTE, right? That's correct. And then, uh, in fact, several years ago, we had two. Okay, so then we had uh, Russ, was that his name, that who, who left right around a couple months ago? Russ was the most recent one, yes. Okay. And, and then Rhett was before him. How, how have we been handling the technology needs now? Is somebody covering for that, or are we outsourcing? Yeah, um, we're outsourcing it, yes. So we don't have anybody internally who's managing this? Well, Heidi oversees all the contracts. Okay. City, Man City Manager's office essentially is overseeing IT as has been the tradition yes. in the organization. Uh, Heidi in her assistant to the city manager role was assigned to do the analysis to determine the ability of outsourcing so that we could evaluate in a recommendation to the budget uh, whether to refill the position or totally use outsource of two firms that have worked with us. And uh, the recommendation that you see in front of you um, is one level of the recommendation that was made by the assistant to the city manager. Our RIT needs generally are um, as robust as the needs in the other departments. And we could fund this at a different level, but in order to um, meet needs as best as possible and uh, retain the balance scenario, the uh, recommendation is as, as Charlie presented. Okay, and it's something like managing contracts, I know we've we have many different contracts, right? City leases and technology, and all these things. It, do we have an admin person who does all of that? And is that a, is that a time consuming task? Uh, it, we do not have somebody to do management of contracts in all departments. Each department, such as city manager's office, public works, uh, does their own. Okay, I, what, I, what I'm thinking is, I don't wanna overlook something that might seem like a small task that based on council requests ends up being a very big time suck on staff um, because we have so many different types of contracts. So is there any way to assess, like even for technology, how much time is required to manage technology contracts? Or is that a, is that a small enough task that it doesn't get accounted for in our budget? Um, I, I would, off the top of my head, um, indicate that it's a small task for each department Cumulatively, however, and, and we, we could look at this after we get through budget, there, there may be um, enough there to, to warrant addressing it as a uh, work product, a work assignment for one, for one individual, sourcing it somewhere. But at this point, um, I think you'd have to do an analysis of what's going on City Hall wide to, to accurately determine that. Yeah, I'm just trying to remove silos so that if there are efficiencies to be had with a new city manager coming in, 
we can have a bird's eye view of everything within the departments and find where those efficiencies might be. And we may discover that there's there's more to be had there. But okay, thank you for that. I would, I would agree. Okay, moving on to the police department. Staffing level stays the same level. Um, you know, oh, I should have mentioned at the very beginning that the all the personnel costs right now everyone is in a um, 10% furlough mode, uh, according to contract negotiations, that 10% furlough reduction in pay goes away. So, um, you know, the, the, but there's no increases for next year either. So everyone's on the pay schedule that was negotiated last year uh, with the uh, labor groups. So, um, but there's natural increases to labor costs, right? As, as employees move through the step plans. Uh, so um, their costs, Six million dollars, thirty authorized uh, positions. Some of them part-time, two of them on special projects, and uh, pretty much status quo level of service uh, for all of their activities. So, I have a question on this, and this is probably for the city manager. Is and this is across the board, right? So, are we assuming with this 21-22 city manager proposed that everybody's coming back off furlough back to 100% time, or everybody's coming? What, what's the thought process on that? The, the personnel costs are the fur, the ten percent furlough reduction in pay uh, goes away, uh, but the number of positions stays the same. Okay, are we doing? So we're ramping back up in different ways in different departments. I think, um, according to, I, I mean, I guess I should say, are we, or are we ramping back up according to an analysis of what we think is actually needed because. You know, we have some departments that aren't going to be fully operational. So to, to the, comment, um, the, the proposed budget is what Charlie has indicated. It's return to what you were um, in terms of salaries and position count, the, uh, the existing position count that was achieved during the COVID reduction. We not reinstate anybody that went away, and the council has determined that uh, they wish to discuss uh, recovery, how to come out of COVID, and that's on your agenda. Uh, I'm sorry, it's not on your agenda. It's a special meeting that you've asked for. Um, so there have been a variety of discussions at the council level about what each department might look like and how there might be some changes. But in terms of full council direction, um, I think the conversation where we go to a town hall, so to speak, and uh, that should occur sometime between I would say end of Jan, uh, end of June and uh, end of July to start to discuss uh, what do we look like. It also will convey information to the business community about uh, what the approved permits that council has approved uh, will, um, how they will roll out, uh, how recovery will occur in the business community. And we should have some more um, sales tax information that we can look at during that period for end of, what would that be? End of second quarter, Charlie? Yes. Yeah. So the combination of those three pieces coming together in a public meeting uh, where we talk about how we recover, uh, how we um, start to shape our growth coming out of COVID um, will occur after you adopt your budget. And as I've talked with you several times, not just the subcommittee, but the full council, budget is not a static document it's a fluid document and 
quarterly, uh, if you're doing this correctly, and I'm sure your new manager with his experience level has done this in other jurisdictions, you can review your budget and make adjustments where need be. If you see growth in your sales tax numbers, if the numbers start to come in higher, uh, you can make changes. You can make changes in uh, how you do each department in service delivery needs. Um, bring some back more robust, uh, bring some back as they were previously based on dollars available. Okay, thanks. One of, one of the options the council has is to take the city manager's recommendation and make adjustments at that point uh, before adoption. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. Okay. Okay. Let's go on to the building department now. Pretty much uh, every one of these reviews is going to um, be the same. It's the same uh, number of positions and uh, basically the same uh, outlay of expenses uh, where we have a permit technician and a building inspector. Uh, and uh, let's see, this is interesting. See what that is here. I love this uh, real-time drill down, Charlie. It's very cool. Yeah, and, and so we must have had. I'm going to have to get back to you on why that's different. I don't have the ability to to go down to the detail of what happened in the amended budget there, but. Basically, you can see historically we've had two technicians. We must have, I don't know, I can, I'm, not, can, I'm not even going to hazard a guess on uh, why that is. I should have looked that up before I did it. So, so essentially what you're seeing in Charlie's review is the, you know, the departments, what we ask them to do is to give us their scenario of how they would see their department with the uh, com community pressures and the community requests, how they would see them grow to come out of COVID um, if the dollars were available. So that's part of what you're seeing in the different scenarios that Charlie's preventing, uh, presenting. And not only the status quo, but uh, if your department were pressured uh, to, to increase services, to provide better level of service, how would you do that as a department head? And that's what we costed out here for you. So you can pick and choose um, and add to or delete from the city manager's recommendation. Right. And, and one of the uh, recommendations from the planning and building uh, the community services director was that a new position be added uh, called the permit services coordinator. And that new position then would result in three new positions in building, uh, I mean, one new position giving a total of three counts and then building the right. permit. So they are listening to the work of EDAC and, and the direction of the council when they're making these proposals. Uh, where does the a permit enforcement live? Is that in building or in planning? Pardon? The, the enforcement, the permit technician who's handling enforcement. The first, the first part of that question is, does that live in building or in planning? And then the second part is, I understood that the police department um, took on some of those responsibilities and how is that accounted for um, in your post-COVID uh, presentation? So remember, post-COVID is the level of service that we're having now. So code enforcement would continue in the police department as it is because the, the parking revenue isn't coming back in yet. Okay, and it's code enforcement for, for building and planning, just to be clear, not uh, parking. Right. Well, it's code enforcement for the city, typically done in most cities in planning and building. 
currently being done in the police department with parking so, prior previous code enforcement staffing. So Marsha, as part of your city manager recommendations to us, or maybe the new city manager's recommendations to us, will there be an opinion on something uh, around bringing that back into building and planning? Um, or did you not get into that level of allocation detail? Um, at this point, I believe it's still, it's status quo, it'll stay where it is. I, th I think it would be helpful to have a journal entry or something that just n notes that because I think, again, this goes to operational efficiencies and do we have the right people doing the right job, and particularly, again, when we're calling out EDAC as having a line item, um, you know, a large part of that is, is enforcement um, and permitting concierge services. So I think that needs to get baked into these building and, and planning much more so than being called out as a separate commission. Because otherwise I think we'll, we'll lose that thread. Okay. Okay, moving on uh, to the planning department, um, staying with the existing staff level, uh, recognizing though that we had uh, staff on maternity leave and had that bring replacement, uh, uh, but to continue at least the level of service in there, some of that's all being returned, but the um, recommended, in other words, if we wanted to go to a gradual return in the planning department, uh, what we're recommending is that we uh, eliminate a senior planner position, but create a planning manager position. And then uh, with a net increase of, um, you know, going to six positions where we still have an admin aide, we go from two to three assistant planners, still have a community development director and have a plan planning manager. Uh, and so that would, um, yeah. That's one of the scenarios that if you want doing the customized approach, you might say that makes more sense. We want to move to that way. Then we can cost that out by, you know, again, coming down to this summary objectives and say, let's, let's include that. Let's include the outsource financial management. Let's, let's include the planning and zoning, but uh, keep everything else the same. And then we can cost out what that impact would be on your fund balance. In other words, well, the city manager recommendation is, is a balanced budget. Any other change to that budget balance will result in the use of fund balance, which is an authorized uh, ability of the city council to be able to do that by your policy. Charlie, where in the planning uh, department budget do we account for outsourcing services like MIG or Linda Carruthers on the survey work and, and plan check? Oh, that's included in the operations and maintenance and professional services. Okay. Yeah. And is there, are we able just out of curiosity to drill down to that and see trends around that? Oh, uh, could we? Yeah, I could, um, I mean, yeah, we yeah. can drill down and go back to 2008. Okay. We have information back to 2008 and what about additional consultants uh, for the planning department that are um, either additional planners or? Um... So if it's cost recovery, so part of $850,000 of this 1.9 million is cost recovery projects. There is an offsetting revenue out there. So, um, you know, the community development director tried to identify what she thinks the workload is gonna be on cost recovery projects, what she thinks the workload is going to be 
on uh, her uh, regular planning uh, activities, on her building permits, you know, the offsetting revenues that come into, you know, building permits versus uh, and planning permits and uh, all the fees. Uh, so that's all accounted for revenues versus the expenses in here. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, within the OpenGov platform, you could actually uh, do a model where you're looking at historical planning uh, and building permit revenues versus planning and building you know, expenses, and you can see you know what costs are being covered and what costs are. Yeah, let's in let's have a pin, pin in that one. That, that I think that would actually be very interesting and helpful for the new city manager and looking at some efficiencies, particularly since uh, community development has been a topic of. Of uh, improvement conversations, so I mean they're doing a great job. But they're just over, overwhelmed. So how do we help them uh, get even better? Yeah, yeah, we have all the diagnostics to help people make, uh, you know, to help city manager, new city manager, uh, look at that. Right, non-departmental. Uh, this is where we budget for the UAL payment for the fire. Uh, we also budget for the uh, Section 115 contribution for OPEB and pension. And then we have our PAYGO portion of our um, retiree health benefits. So um, that in total is $1.4 million in personnel costs. And then under operations and maintenance is where we have the $325,000 for EDAC and the uh, number of other activities, uh, you know, like... Um, Animal control is in there. Our banking services are in there. This is a EDAC. City attorney services and uh, are in here. Our, our liability and our property insurance, our uh, consulting contracts with uh, JPA, our LAFCO required contribution, uh, other legal services are budgeted or contribution to the Marin General Services Authority, other membership dues and permits uh, of the various organizations. And then there's some money in here for professional services, about $33,000. So uh, and then this is what we call our non-department department. It's activities that's usually spread across many departments. So you can see the trend is down. I apologize if you're hearing the siren, that's our tornado warning going off in uh, Minnesota here, but it's Tuesday and it's just the annual drill. So you don't have to worry, I'm not gonna get swallowed by a tornado. Let us know if you need to go. All right, let's yeah. go to the recreation. Don't hesitate, don't hesitate to head for the basement. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, no, it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice sunny day outside today, so I'm not, not worried about tornadoes. Um, recreation director and one recreation supervisor. Uh, very few events happening, $601,000. See the trend going down. Charlie, what's the... Again, it, sorry, I, the cost recovery. So we talked a little bit about cost recovery in the planning department, but... In, in normal, like a normal operational year, you know, we have 
Yeah, historically, our cost recovery for recreation is about 37% of uh, recreation programs versus recreation revenue. And we're, we're, you know, been able to look at that through the lens of OpenGov. Let's see here. Well, helps it to spell right. Okay, it might take me a little bit to do that, um, but uh, and I remember in the past it was about thirty-seven percent when we get our when we're normal year. Yeah, I might, you know, the, you might be pitched that question, or I'll, I might, you know, ask you that during our the presentation. It, it, I, I mean, right. numbers been thrown around like I don't know various times, like sixty percent or seventy, eighty percent of parks and rec is covered, but m my recollection was it was something lower. Um, and so, I mean, the question that's going to come, I think, from anybody is going to is going to say, well, we've canceled everything. You know, we don't have any events right now. We have pickleball, and we have tennis and bocce, but, you know, our big money making events have all been and, and our big, you know, money making, but also big crowd events have all been canceled for this summer. So, you know, the justification for this budget, you know, it's, it, I think those questions are going to come and we have to be ready for them. So I don't know if you've right. got any. Now, we have a kid. I'll, I can provide a slide on that. I think, Mayor, one of the things you might consider looking at is not only uh, historically what amount has been covered, and I, I agree with your assumption, Mayor, that um, the number is significantly lower than 60% is covered. I believe that the number that Charlie used at 37 is closer to reality. Uh, I also think um, looking at how we have operated, there has to be set separate from uh, recovery, how we come out of COVID, what classes we've offered uh, in the past 18 months versus what we have and recreational opportunities we plan to offer as a community moving forward. Um, because there has to be a connection between having the staff available and ramping up if that's the desired path that the council has. So that's a conversation you need to have during your, your budget meetings on the 8th and the 22nd is what do we envision, not only what we have now, but what do we envision? The numbers um, in the budget have to support what your vision is and what we're presenting here is uh, what we know to be fact and, and where we are, not so much as where you might want to go. That conversation that might have occurred had we had time to do 
uh, more in-depth analysis of where our budgeting is going has to occur at the next two meetings if you would like the numbers to change here. Mm -hmm. Either direction. Yeah. And so to rephrase the question, are we looking to understand how in historically revenues from events have offset costs within the Parks and Rec Department? I, I think that's right. that information. Yes, we can provide that information. Yeah, okay. And that would be sort of an indicator as to how that would project forward. Um, looking at what the staffing and the numbers are currently uh, may not correlate uh, with where the council wants the recreation department to be in the future, either larger or smaller than where we are currently, as with any of the other departments. Well, we also have a factual issue too, right? I mean, we don't have, right. I mean, that's what I want to look We don't have events planned. So right. why, would, why would we be fully staffed? I mean, that's the question. Why would we be fully staffed if, you know, Anyway, we know right now that, that certain things are not going to happen this year, so or this summer specifically. So, and you may choose to look at a gradual regrowth, not necessarily reinstituting July one, but but possibly as you go through the year, as you pace yourself and as you watch uh, reports, financial revenues coming in, uh, the community recovering from COVID, restaurants and and tourist activity increasing. Uh, then you may decide to direct some of those dollars. Your new city manager will be happy to work you through those exercises. A revenue available, how would you as a council see this being expended and give you recommendations with this professional background? Yeah, I think that's, I, I think we're going to have to be prepared for that. I mean, that's certainly something that, that, that we would have discussed. I mean, and not just Parks and Rec, right? It's, it's kind of the context of all of the departments that we're looking at, so. Right, we're using that as an example because yep. the slide is up. Yep, yep. Thanks, Charlie. Okay, library department uh, continues the uh, you know staffing of having some uh, a library director, a librarian too, and then the hourly employees as well as uh, temporary assistants that are in place uh, for six hundred eighteen thousand dollars and current level of service. Uh, but, you know, again, just like everything else is for the library, for planning, for building, for recreation, and for the finance department, there's uh, scenarios of under the gradual return and the pre-COVID to, um, you know, improve those. So if we come over here to the library, we would see we would go from reinstate the library in one position, <clears throat> reinstate the library assistant two position, and you know, have the part-time uh, positions uh, ramp up or go 100% uh, in there. So again, that's one of these scenarios that can be customized where we say, yes, the library going back to full staffing right away, you know, no to, no to uh, outsourcing your finance department, yes to building, no to planning, and by the time you're through, you can see uh, your total impact on, on balance of whether or not, again, we have a balanced budget. If you want to go beyond the balanced budget, it'll, it'll um, impact your use of reserves. So kind of winding down with the engineering and public works department, uh, uh, these public works include some of the capital projects that are continuation of the capital projects that uh, are underway right now. 
including the ferry landing capital project and um, the public works department uh, continuing its level of service uh, with its, all of its maintenance workers as they are. Charlie, quick, quick question. My understanding was, I get the time frame wrong, let's say last year or two years ago, that um, our prior city manager moved budget for parks maintenance out of DPW into parks and rec. Um, is that accurate? And should we be looking at bringing that back? Um, because I'm really trying to think about efficiencies and public works is, you know, doing so much around our community. Should that live in DPW? And is your presentation including your suggestions around things like that? Uh, Charlie, if you'd answer the numbers question, I'll answer the operational question. Yeah, um, so I, let me look to see where I put landscape maintenance. So, it, it, I, so agree, I agree that um, at least folklore has it that the uh, Park and Rec Administration, Park and Rec Operation used to be uh, part of DPW's budget and operation and uh, was moved uh, to recreation that, that, that uh, as a part of the uh, last 18 months before my arrival is what I understood. Charlie can confirm those numbers. The second part of your question is operational recommendation and I personally believe uh, that field operations should all be one. That would be DPW and parks all in one organization, one piece of the organization, one unit, one department uh, for operational efficiencies. What, uh, you know, we're sort of in this transition period as you're aware, uh, what your uh, incoming city manager uh, feels is the most efficient. Um, I'm sure you will hear beginning on his first day is next week. Um, this budget, however, uh, does not make the move back. Um, we didn't go for operational efficiencies. As you're aware, we did have our budget uh, finance director uh, resign uh, for promotional opportunity in another organization right in the middle of budget. So a lot of the things that could have been accomplished were not accomplished during this year. Charlie, do you have the number to pull up yet? Oh, uh, yes. Can you- Landscape maintenance is is $741,000. But I don't believe that was a question. The question is, was it moved in the recent past oh. two years from public works to um, parks? So the management was moved from public works to parks. Were the budget numbers? No, the budget numbers are still in. And as of right now, they're still in the public works department. Okay. Okay, so um, then I guess the other question and this is just, I see some folks on, on the call, like uh, Sausalito Beautiful, as an example, has historically been a partner for the city on things like landscaping. Um, how, if at all, does this presentation take into account some of the budget requests um, around those types of community groups? And I think just you know, specific to public works and, and landscape maintenance. We've attempted to include all budget requests that we were aware of and we would be highlighting any uh, that we didn't fit into the balanced budget proposal coming forward. So um, you saw a, a flurry of, of communique emails come in just as any community does. Uh, we tried to keep track of those and push forward. We do a direct correlation between all emails that came to the city council and all requests that came in and what were We haven't done that final check on this, no. Okay, so, but just globally, 
it's they've been reviewed and included to some extent we think yeah the process that we used was um, as the request came in uh, predominantly they were sent to city council and city managers uh, email is copied on that and in some cases they were sent to Heidi uh, city clerk's office um, those were then directed to the appropriate department to include in their budget if these items were not included previously they were added um, if they were already in they were replicated so for example whether it be uh, the Sausalito Beautiful or uh, the Friends of the Library uh, those requests that came in were forwarded to the department and then through the department to Charlie filtered to Charlie as part of their request okay. so we have every single request from the community that came in uh, we concentrated on uh, recognized groups Sausalito Beautiful, Friends of the Library, those type of requests. Uh, I'm relatively sure, and that type of check can be done between uh, the June 8th and June 22nd meeting to give you the detailed breakout on that. Okay, that, I think that would probably be, go a long way to addressing a flurry of public comment that we would most likely receive. So just in anticipation of that. The other thing, Charlie, if you could go back, I know you're, you're popping around a little bit here, got to back to DPW. Um, I, I think that the sewer costs probably warrant a little bit more exploration. Um, it has a positive fund balance. We have uh, three employee positions with sewer in front of their name, uh, but we're also looking at a consolidation. I just wanna flag this as an opportunity for us to better understand our position here. Since sewer currently is in fact a, a revenue producing um, you know, element for us, why would we look at consolidation and if it's future aging infrastructure and upkeep costs. How are we accounting for that in budget conversations? Um, so I just I sort of want to flag that as we're looking and, and not approve a budget in a in a vacuum, knowing that a consolidation conversation uh, may happen. So if there's more information that could be provided either about the sewer fund itself, the health of the sewer fund, um, trends with the sewer fund, um, how that monies have been used future infrastructure costs. I mean, we don't have a drill down here on the CIP, but you know, how much of the capital improvement program is related to sewer? What what percentage of that would require funds from the sewer fund? I mean, I can go on and on, I won't, but just, I think it warrants a little bit more of a separate packaging. Yeah. Um, sorry, I have a, just a clarification question. So may, the top line employee position maintenance worker two, that's like a level two, and so that count, but that count over there is three. So that's the 363 is for three maintenance workers. Right, that's total compensation, including their UAL payment, their um, cafeteria plan, their normal cost of retirement, as well as their salary. Okay, got it. So, but that's for three workers. That's correct, okay. yeah. Okay, thanks. Okay, so that's, that kind of reviews the department. Thank you for pointing out that landscape maintenance. I'll create that as uh, another page within here, as well as giving you uh, revenues versus expenses for uh, both recreation building, I mean, all three recreation building and planning departments. Um, this is kind of just a review, all those expenses broken down by fund uh, you know, we have the capability to drill down and, and look at all the way down to the line item if we need to. Uh, but basically, the big picture on, at this level, at the policy level, is, is that, you know, we have a, a 
a budget that says we're anticipating the economy to gradually return and therefore we're going to anticipate revenues as if they gradually return however that even that revenue structure because of our structural imbalance can only support a post-COVID operation and maintenance scenario and a post-COVID uh, HR scenario, uh, which gives us this um, balanced budget. Uh, I still have some work to do on the cap special revenue funds and capital projects. I hope to have that finalized before the June 8th city council meeting. And, um, but other than that, we have, uh, if the city council wants to enhance levels of service or change level of service beyond the city manager recommendation, uh, the basic message is, uh, you know, it will require the use of fund balance or using some of those um, oh, uh, budget balancing uh, options that I discussed here in the presentation of uh, looking at reducing our UAL payments or, uh, you know, maybe some of the other things that we talked about, um, uh, you know, where we're combining police departments or we're sewer consolidating or we're uh, you know just looking at sharing services across Marin County things of that nature. I think staff is always scanning the environment looking for those kinds of opportunities. Historically we've always brought those opportunities to the city council for their consideration and uh, I don't anticipate staff stop doing that in the future. I believe our new city manager will be very aggressive and looking at ways to more efficiently and effectively deliver services. So that kind of concludes uh, my presentation. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I just want to, you know, Charlie, um, the tremendous, tremendous effort that you have done in the past three months to get our budget back on track, both you and the city manager the past few months, and then the tremendous effort that you've done in the past three weeks, four weeks with the different departments and getting us to this point for this incredibly comprehensive uh, budget with the ability to do, um, you know, almost real time uh, scenario editing as we go forward. So I, I think um, the current city council, the new members may not fully appreciate how many light years we are ahead of what we've done in the past, but um, I certainly appreciate your effort and thank you so much for your hard work on this. Um, um, I agree 110%, Madam Mayor. I, I do also want to include specifically Heather in that uh, recognition of the, the, the yeoman's work they've done in the past few months, especially the past three weeks pulling this together uh, without her technical knowledge and abilities. Uh, all the departments have worked hard. Uh, Charlie and Heather uh, have, have gone above and beyond uh, anything we could have expect, had the right to expect as a community and pulling this together to an understandable uh, presentation, very clearly supported um, and very clearly balanced. So without the two of them, I give Charlie a, a great consideration, but Heather, uh, we couldn't have done it without her. Yeah, and I also think, Charlie, that was probably one of the clearest presentations on finance I think we've received yet. and just. I want to thank you for that. You, you really did pull pull something very uh, complicated and lots of moving parts together in a very short period of time. But I really just want to commend the the manner in which you presented the information as well and the software that you're using, the ability to drill down and answer questions in real time is, is super helpful. And 
I would just say both to you and to the inner city manager, I personally would welcome suggestions on efficiencies to be had, um, you know, with the bird's eye view across various departments. So I know that wasn't included in this presentation, but please don't hesitate either one of you if there are things that go beyond that could be helpful to us. I think we're looking for all all options here. So thank you. Yeah, and I, you know, I'll have, I'll have probably some follow-up questions in the next couple of days, just based on this, I'm going to have to drill down again and look at this. Um, but, you know, right off, off the top of my head, you know, my feedback is, um, of course, I want to listen to the public comment that I'm sure is, we're going to listen to, but, um, you know, for the majority, vast majority of this, it, you have a high confidence factor for me. So I think it's um, great, great work. So let's, if you're okay and everybody's staff is good and vice mayor, let's open this up for public comment and then we'll come back, back with specific comments from your finance committee, which is vice mayor and I. So, okay, I'm gonna open this up for public comment and I'm gonna let Serge, uh, he's gonna pick if anybody raises their hand, <laughs> he'll run us through. And comment on the benchmarking too, if, if folks have comments, that'd be helpful. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. Okay. Madam Mayor, it looks like Sandra Bushmaker has raised her hand. Okay, great. Sandra, we can't hear you. Serge, is she, is she, there you go. Okay. I'm, I'm here. I'm not going to show my video because I, <laughs> I'm not ready. But uh, in any event, I want to uh, thank you all for this presentation. I found it very, very helpful. I, I really would support um, the factoring in of operational efficiencies uh, into the uh, budget process here. Um, and that was an important thing I think that uh, I feel. And I also would like some discussion on the assumption there appears to be that pre-COVID is a desired level. Uh, you know, did we have inefficiencies before COVID that could use trimming? Or did we have gaps pre-COVID that needed to be filled uh, before we uh, march toward a objective of pre-COVID service? So uh, that's, I, I, I think that analysis is missing and I would really appreciate having some discussion on that along with other uh, uh, operational efficiencies. Thanks. Thank you. Um, um, and Serge, I'm letting you know that um, uh, Mr. Withy is not able to raise his hand. So he wants to speak as well. So don't forget to call on him. Okay, so we're gonna call on Liz Chilino now and I've asked her to unmute and start her video. Hi, um, I'm Lisa Chilino and I'm here representing Sausalito Beautiful. Um, I'm on the board of Sausalito Beautiful, and our organization looks forward to considering a prioritized list of the capital improvement projects. Um, I understand from Marsha, we'll begin to see those on June 8th and have an opportunity to respond by June 22nd. As you may know, Sausalito Beautiful sent a letter to both city council and to the finance committee re uh, requesting the inclusion of $30,000 for trees on Caledonian Bridgeway. Sausalito Beautiful would provide an additional $10,000 and these combined funds would um, allow us to replace and plant 10 to 15 new trees on these two key public streetscapes. 
Um, in a prior version of the budget, DPW requested $20,000 for bridgeway trees, but I want to reiterate that Sausalito's beautiful, Sausalito Beautiful's request is for $30,000 for both Bridgeway and Caledonia. In 2015, and just a little bit of background, in 2015, the City Council ratified the Climate Action Plan prepared by the Sustainability Commission, which called for a net 10 new trees to be planted on public lands in our city every year. Sausalito Beautiful is offering to help the city fulfill this promise. Thus, we request the $30,000 in the city's budget. As you know, trees provide lots of great benefits to our community. Trees keep our environment clean and healthy. They improve our citizens' mental and physical health. But when you, what you may not realize is that trees are actually bring economic returns to our city also. And since this is a finance committee meeting, I feel compelled to talk about that. Um, trees increase shopping revenues, thus sales taxes, because people love to shop on green leafy tree-lined streets. Trees also increase property values, five to 15% research, research shows, thus they increase property taxes. So trees are a great investment for Sausalito. Several cities have done a deep dive into the economic analysis. Uh, New York City calculates that for every $1 spent, they receive over $5 in return. Pittsburgh calculated $3 in return. So trees make solid economic sense. So again, I just wanna reiterate our request for $30,000 um, in the city's CIP budget and Sausalito Beautiful looks forward to working with the city and um, creating a green, healthy community. Thank you. Thank you. You have been unmuted. All right, thank you. Can you hear me okay? We can, welcome. For some reason, I just couldn't figure out how to raise my hand. A um, couple of uh, very quick things. Uh, I did send you in an email this morning with a bunch of questions, which Charlie kindly answered. I'd like that entered into the public record. Um, I'm going to summarize a couple of Charlie's answers here, which are really important. Um, so the most important message I want to get across is that in this proposed budget, there is Measure O funds are being solely used for operations. There is no transfer of the Measure O mounts from the general fund to the capital improvement fund. Your residents are going to get very upset about this if this is a trend that continues. And in fact, if you hope to renew Measure O, you'd better quickly find out how to get that money started transferred into the Capital Improvement Fund, as was promised, or you're never going to get that renewed in several years' time, politically, I believe. So that's the first thing. You should be aware of that. There's no Measure O use of funds for capital or for operations. Um, the other thing is that you might want to, I seem to remember that in addition to the 10% furlough that SCIU agreed to, I seem to remember the police association agreed to not enacting their pay raise or some something. I may be mistaken, so perhaps the city manager can help us here. Um, if that's the case, if I'm right, if that's the case in this budget, is that pay being restored? How's that being worked out? I may be mistaken, so you might want to investigate that. 
Um, there's no transfer of funds into vehicle replacement, as Charlie said, none into employee benefit reserves, none into general liability reserves, which may be okay. But Charlie might want to uh, respond to saying, does that pose any risk to us? That's, that's all. Finally, I think um, uh, it'd really be good to look at the revenue versus expenses in the departments you uh, suggested. In past years, not previous immediate years, but in past years, the city council has been told that the revenue coverage in parks and recs was very high. If that was wrong, we need to understand that clearly because that will dramatically affect how you decide what you're going to do with parks and recs. I totally agree with the mayor on that. Um, and then finally, the three options for revenue that have not been budgeted in that Charlie has proposed, I think you need to seriously consider. And uh, you, here's the third, finally. Uh, you also need to understand a little bit more of how the sewer fund works, because I don't think actually we do. Hey, thank you. And that was perfect timing. Uh, okay, so um, just uh, a note to Serge, um, if you could add um, uh, Ray's uh, email that he sent to us as public comment to this agenda, um, that would be appreciated. And so, okay, um, so Vice Mayor, do you want to um, just feedback from us as the Finance Committee? Sure, yeah, I'll just start with, um, with Ray's uh, last comments. Uh, I completely agree that the council needs uh, a deeper dive on the sewer fund, so I appreciate that comment, and I've already made that that request. So hopefully that gets on our um, on our agenda at some point as well. Um, and I also just want to follow up on on Measure O. I pulled the language on Measure O, and it it actually said um, that it was intended to be used in general fund. Didn't say anything about uh, the CIP. So if that was a, a policy direction, uh, we really should that back out and get the council on the same page to understand that because the actual language of measure o does not say that it does only say this is for general fund uh, type purposes um i think my comments i don't want to take up you know too much more time i kind of embedded them throughout i do want to look at operational efficiencies uh, we already talked about understanding um landscape maintenance and you know boots on the ground who's doing the work how can we improve that if there's efficiency to be had um, and I think, uh, you know, Ray also just pulled out a, a great theme that can be applied beyond just Parks and Rec, which is, you know, if we're relying on revenues to offset some of the expenses in a department, um, let's make that very clear that we're doing that and understand our position on that as well. And then my final comment, which I've said before, is I, I, I do think it would be more helpful to not just have EDAC as a line item. I think EDAC's made some really excellent suggestions for, for permitting and community development. I think that needs to get embedded into permitting and community development so that we don't end up with two separate requests and then not understanding how they interplay. So I think that's right, Stan, for now, but maybe I'll have more. So um, I, I don't have a whole lot actually to add other than um, I agree with, you know, when's the time to do an operational efficiency review? Is it, you know, is it now when we're, when we're approving the budget for next year? Um, and do we take a hard look at efficiencies and consolidation amongst departments or do we do to, I believe the interim city manager mentioned earlier that we do that um, in the first quarter of the new, you know, year, um, the new fiscal year 
and when we're starting to implement the budget and in concert with the our incoming um, new city manager and reorganization within sort of uh, where we want to do that or tackle that in the first quarter coming in first quarter of the new year meaning july you know july august september so that i i think we need to articulate that that we're not, not just rubber stamping going back to business as usual without um, a clear look at where we can um, do better in provision of services and cutting expenses um, the second uh, I do agree that the measure O we need to articulate that I believe there was um, policy directives very clear ones from the prior city councils that measure O money was going to be used and those were, that was representations during the campaign for for that measure um, and so I would like to know what that number is from the measure O numbers and um, how we might be able to achieve that in this budget. I mean, I'm, I, I think we need to acknowledge that. Um, and if, if we're saying because of the emergency situation that we find ourselves in, we're, we're going to pause that, you know, so be it then. But I think we need to explain that. And so I think that that's basically my uh, my feedback on this. I look forward to the full city council uh, review of this. And, um, and, and so when I know I, we are taping this correct. And when, when, when do we think this will be posted online for review? Madam Mayor, we should have the uh, recording by the day today or tomorrow. Okay, great. Okay. So people, I mean, that would be <laughs> great prep, right? For people to um, review the, the, the ability to review this tape and to look at it. So, okay, unless there's anything further from the staff or anything further from the vice mayor, then I will, um, I will conclude and uh, adjourn. So thanks every month, everybody for your participation and help with this process. So thanks everybody. Thanks for having me. Bye. And thanks to staff as always.